Hello and welcome to the Free Associates. That's right, folks, the Free Associates, the freedom of association, the freedom to associate with anybody or any idea that comes our way. Because why? Because freedom is good. People love freedom. However, my freedom may not be your freedom. You may not like my freedom, and that's okay, too. We'll probably work it out. That's what we do. And it's also the ability to just free associate, just to let your mind wander, just kind of go downstream and not be an expert necessarily, not particularly have a strong opinion, to enter the conversation undecided, to leave the conversation undecided. That's what we do here at the Free Associates. We've been doing it for a year on WMUA 91.1 Amherst, and now it is shuttered, folks. We squeaked out three days at the end, but they really locked that Soviet brutalist structure campus center down. And I was definitely sneaking in. I mean, there's all kinds of stories they have about that, but I'm going to save it for later. But uh, we are no longer broadcasting from there. However, we are rebroadcasting this Facebook live feed the next day, every day. Because we love our valley and want to keep our valley informed. It's so fresh and verdant and green, and it deserves some love. And I'm proud of our valley right now. I think our valley's doing pretty well, considering. Now, we are not at the peak of this, and the peak is coming, to be sure. Now, what you can do for us, if you're interested, if you like this conversation, you can go and join our page, the Free Associates page on Facebook. And I got something for you. This is an incentive. I know as a teacher, any kind of contest goes a long way. So check this beautiful thing out. Oh, man, is that not a beautiful golden business card? I had these made up right before coronavirus hit. Right before... And obviously, I'm not handing them out on the street. People are not going for that. I like the way it's reflecting me back, actually. It's pretty trippy. Now, everybody, not everybody, if you join the Free Associates group, every day we'll do a drawing out of a hat. If everyone who joined the prior day, boom, pick their name out of the hat. The person whose name it is gets this mailed to them, the freeassociates.us. And check it out, my other radio shows on the backside, Barbarian in the Valley, which is also on WMUA. Now, we are blessed with having Waylon do a whole new rig setup. I mean, this is way beyond me. I was in charge of this for two weeks, and he made me, he made, ran, ran me through the hoops, folks, and was ridiculing me and making me just, just, just go. Oh, man, he was so hard on me. And then yesterday, he's like, do you want me to take this over? I'm like, yes, take it over. Yes, you do it, you do it. Anyway, we're old compadres, we're amigos on this road, and uh, we have a lot in common. We think the same way in a lot of ways, and then there's other ways we just don't think alike at all. If you saw yesterday's episode, you'll see that there's a lot of overlap, but then there's things that we disagree about. Now, part of the Free Associates is that we free associate. We actually get a drawing, or in this case, an object, and Waylon, a new object, okay? Uh, We're going to get a new object up here, and I'm going to free associate. Now, free association is not description. It is not description because... That's description. description. I know, I know, and I did that yesterday with the remote control. I made a mistake. I actually described it. My first words out of my mouth. Now, Waylon is a fraudster when it comes to free association, so you'll see that later. Let's not forget that he needs to free associate. But Waylon, do you have your object in your hand? I have my object. Okay, I didn't like the way that sounded, but okay. Now I'll I'll give you a countdown. In three, in two, in one, free association. Oh, you're a bad man. A bad man? I can't believe you just did that to me. How could you just do that to me? I said a new object. Well, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Jeez, I gotta explain. It's new if it's all based on your perception. 
And of course, I okay. can't get on my chair. Okay, okay. So show me, show, show, show me the Show me the object All again. Right, here it comes. Here it comes. Ready? Failure. Audio failure. Friend <laughs> letting me down. Friend lets me down. Puts me on Facebook Live without any audio. <laughs> Feeling confused and conflicted. Boom. There's your free association for you. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Oh, jeez. Whale dog. All right. All right. So let's bring that music down, Whalen. Let's just talk between us. We have a very special guest coming on in a couple of minutes. Brian Lombardi, known as Lambeau at Northampton, is now in Stoneham, Massachusetts, his principal. And we miss him. Um, although I have to say, I do miss Lombardi and I miss his humor. But I do think Lori's doing a good job. That's the good news. Uh, I, sure. I, there has to be, you know, the, do you know what the DSM is? It's like, it's the big book. Diagnostic and Statistical Manual? Yeah. Well, no, I don't think it's that, but it's what psychiatrists use to identify disease, the mental illnesses. Yeah, the Diagnostic and Statistical All right, Manual. Whatever it is. You're, he's in a doctorate program. <laughs> anyway, there's got to be an SA designation school administrator in there because I don't know who does that job who isn't like somehow like whacked out of their brains. That is such a hard job. I remember once talking to Lombardi, I said, you know, all due respect, why do you do this to yourself? Why are you a principal? He said, I love it. I love doing it. I love meeting with people and I love like enacting change. And that's the only way you survive that. I think about politicians. How could someone do that? Man, that's just brutal. But it's because they love some part of it so very much. All right. Well, I did a lot of talking. Waylon, how are you doing today, pal? I'm doing. I'm doing really good. How, how's it going? It's going. It's going well for me. I mean, it's still like everything's in flux, and I'm trying to come up with a schedule. I got two kids, and they're beautiful kids. I have a beautiful wife. I'm really lovely situated here in Florence. I'm very lucky. I have the best lighting of anyone on Zoom. I think you know. Uh, and uh, by no, by the that, way, that front that front light on you, that front light. Is, well, that's perfect, man. Need some help. You look like you're in some kind of terrarium. I don't know what's going on with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. So we are going to about to bring on our guest today, Brian Lombardi, principal at Stoneham High, former principal at Northampton High School. Brian, how you doing, pal? Doing great. So happy to be here. Hello, 413. 413. That's it. We're happy to have you back. How long were you in the Valley, uh, Brian? Like, how long did you live out here? 25 years about yeah 20 how did how, how did you end up here by the way i never i never got that story um geez traveling um my my, my i was my, my first wife yep <laughs> yeah um yeah and then had kids and just settled in the valley you know really resonated and it was a nice chapter around my life yeah yeah well it's and you did you were a great principal i really enjoyed it. i i you know I remember going through that process. I just think it's so unfair to force a principal to do this when the other school walks through your school. Like, why, oh, why do that to somebody? Because it, it really jams that person up. But I remember being in, uh, yeah, well, what, you know, it's very hard. But I do remember being in the group that was being interviewed by one of the schools. Uh, and just kind of everyone going around and kind of listing the things that you did really well. And they were numerous. And I think that like chief among them, which I have to say I really appreciate, is that uh, you were very open to saying yes to what teachers wanted to do. Waylon is the perfect example of this. And now you've created a monster yeah. that can't be stopped. 
I know. Probably, he probably did too good of a job oh, <laughs> allowing man. me to do things. <laughs> There's no stopping him now. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. So how are things going in Stoneham, pal? I, you know, I think very well. And I think, you know, Norm, you kind of really hit um, the, the nail on the head. Um, that's really what I'm trying to bring to um, Stoneham is yes. You know, yeah. to, um, unleash the creative energies that teacher, teachers have it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And as an administrator, you can either be the block or you can be the, the grease that gets it going for the teachers. You know, um, you know, like look what you guys are doing with this. This is your creativity, you know, for the public. But when you do that in a classroom or in a school, amazing thing happens. So yeah. um, I, I'm coming into a school that is um, wants to do some changes. You know, they, they've had um, it's one of those schools that a lot of the administration creative energies that te- yeah. teachers have it. I'm the first person kind of coming in from the outside. Um, and I think they're very excited to kind of, you know, have the barn door thrown open and they can run with things. You got an idea? Let's try it. What do you need for that idea? Let's let's blow these doors open and bring the kids different learning opportunities. Yeah, it's very lucky to have that. I've always thought that in some ways, education is very top heavy, right? There's all this pressure going down from the state, from the from the nation to the state to the districts, to the supers, and everything. I feel like everyone's job is to hold back uh, the pressure from top. You know, our teacher's job is to kind of like kind of hold the ceiling up so the students can have freedom and learn. And your job as a principal is to hold it up for us. The super's job is to kind of hold it up, but there's all this weight on top going down. And I guess that's what I'm saying. I feel like you did a great job holding up the ceiling a lot of the time. I'm sure you're doing that. In Stoneham. Yeah, I, I was really lucky to have a great mentor when I was at Minichog, Jack Logan, who really said, hey, Brian, this, this is what you got to do. What's good for kids every day and what do teachers need to do to do their job? Yeah. And, and as long as I'm doing that, making sure the kids have their needs met, making sure that my teachers have what they need to do their job and, and support them, then I, then I feel really happy um, that I'm doing something meaningful um, for the world and for the kids and people. Yeah, absolutely. So we're in unusual times. We're in uncharted territory. You know, uh, I get that people are kind of scared and stuff and, and upset, but they, they uh, well, scared I get. And, you know, depending on who you are, it's impacting you greater or worse. But people can be a little bit impatient with the schools. And I think that they have to understand that, like, there's, there's, we can't, there's no thing that we can dust off and understand. You could, I guess, look at some book from the Spanish flu and see how they dealt with it. But it's been a hundred years since we've had anything like this. So, you know, all bets are off. Think, you know, I also think we're, we're, we're in, you know, look at, look at Whalen's room. He goes in there, all right, make it orange, make it green. And yeah. so we're, we're, we're in that kind of verbal prompt world. I think that many ways families think they can just, Alexia, education now. Yeah. You know, and, and they just yeah. want that seamless center. And it, it doesn't happen that you can't mm. replace um, a teacher in front of a kid that, that brings not only the content mastery, but brings the, the thing you can't teach. You can't no. bring, you can't mimic through technology, heart and passion and, and genuine concern for the, the person in front of you. And I think that's what people, that technology is great, but it can't go that far. It can't replace that. Well, the other thing is, is and what Wayland does a lot of, and I try to do in part, is they learn from each other. You know, in some ways you're trying to set up the ecosystem that they they inform each other. So even if I'm here talking to them, if they're not there talking to each other or like, you know, Waylon still has the transcript kids working with each other, then, you know, that's obviously they're not going to be learning in that way. So I'm not worried about education becoming virtual anytime soon. 
Uh, that's not going to happen. And, you know, yesterday we talked about social distancing and whether that's really uh, if the world after this is going to look that much different. Waylon thinks no. I'm somewhere in between. Elena Fragamini was on and she feels like people really are going to want their space. Waylon, do you want to come in here for a second? I'm about to bring up that. Yeah, no, I think uh, just thinking about what we were just talking about right there. um, So I've, I've been doing some research on the on this emergency remote learning i think if anything the more that you integrate technology the more that you understand that there is a need for that that interpersonal relationships and you you need that technology to enhance what's going on rather than substitute for what's going on yeah and so one of the one of the anecdotes that i was using uh the other day was i was doing a uh a zoom meeting with the transcript and at one point, everybody ran and got their pets and got their dogs and got everything. And it was like, it's just a real sweet moment where it was just, everybody was just, you know, the things that we often miss in uh, in that educational environment is that so much of what we do is not teaching. Yeah. And so much of what we do is the, is just the interpersonal relationships that we're, and to, that's life teaching, but those times where you can just kind of let your guard down and be safe and comfortable in an environment with other people. Um, technology is going to allow us to interconnect and communicate in different ways here, but the real spark of what that what goes on there is that interpersonal relationships. No question. Chemistry. I mean, it's chemistry. And yeah, I, I agree with sure. you a lot, Waylon. I would say the one thing, having been forced to kind of, I'm not an idiot technologically, uh, uh, you know, I can do it. I haven't done it a lot, but the one thing I could see is they call it flip teaching, don't they? Where like the homework is where they listen flip to the lecture. Yeah, yeah. And the, the homework is where they listen to lecture. And then the class becomes much more discussion-based. I mean, when I do notes, it's always really discussion-based anyway. But uh, I see an opportunity. Now, Brian, one of the reasons we wanted to invite you on is that we're doing a series of Politico articles. It's actually very small pieces. Politico's done a smart job of getting 30 or 35 writers together and, and said to them, how do you think uh, COVID's going to change America on the other side? So let me just read the one that we're going to tackle today. And this is yeah. by Mark Lawrence Schrad. He's an associate professor of political science, and he's the author of the forthcoming Smash the, Smashing the Liquor Machine, A Global History of Prohibition. That sounds interesting. So his piece is called The New Kind of Patriotism. He writes... America has long equated patriotism with the armed forces, but you can't shoot a virus. Those on the front lines that get coronavirus aren't conscripts, mercenaries, or enlisted men. There are doctors, nurses, pharmacists, teachers, caregivers, store clerks, utility workers, small business owners, and employees. Like uh, Lai Wen Lang and the doctors of the Wuhan, many are suddenly saddled with unfathomable tasks, combined by an increased risk of contamination and death they never signed up for. When all is said and done, perhaps we will recognize their sacrifice as true patriotism, saluting our doctors and nurses, genuflecting and saying, thank you for uh, your service, as we now do for military veterans. We will give them guaranteed health benefits and corporate discounts and build statues and have holidays for this new class of people who sacrificed their health and their lives of others. Perhaps, too, we will finally start to understand patriotism more as cultivating the health and life of your community rather than blowing someone else's community up. Maybe the demilitarization of American patriotism and love of community will be one of the benefits to come out of this whole awful mess. All right, so that's the prediction. What do you guys, what, what's your thinking on this? Oh, yeah, I would love to be optimistic and think that. 
but but even as for me, as I'm reading these things unfold, for example, um, look at um Dr. Um, Fauci, my face. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, the fact that they've had to increase his um, security detail because there's people giving him threats that this is a conspiracy, you yeah. know. Um, so. Or, you know, left. So I just get nervous that there's still this element out there that is not looking at this for what it is, and that that this is more, you know, about politics, about left from left and right type of stuff. So I'm not, I'm not too sure about that for myself. Yeah, yeah, I get your points well taken. If politics are interceding, then it's hard to have patriotism at all about anything, right? Any yeah. kind of like larger scale. Waylon, I thought this piece was particularly might be directed towards you since you have giant American patches on all your clothes. I consider you a patriot, not a nationalist, but a patriot, a globalist patriot, however, you know. So, you know, you're a patriot that has a lot of explaining to do. You've never really explained yourself, but go ahead. What do you think of this piece? Well, it's the ultimate It's the ultimate pivot, you know what I'm saying? Ah, that's so, it. He's the pivot king. Waylon's the pivot king. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, patriotism is often there's a lot of it's a lot of definitions right and i i would say that when 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 we the 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 united states flag being on the back of my jackets is often misconstrued in a bunch of different in a bunch of different ways i would say that i like we've said before thinking about what the consequences of all of this are and how everything is going to unfold i think that patriotism is something that is can be toxic when we're dealing with the immediate threat of what we're talking about. So the biggest thing that comes to mind for 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 this is that uh, just listen to an excellent podcast last night, um, the Daily, um, that was talking about uh, Trump trying to buy for a billion dollars a German company that is making a vaccine for uh, COVID nineteen. And what that means in the long, in the scope of just the global implications and the in the in the national implications of where we are. So first off, as a as a as a, a first world country, we have the ability to combat the virus in ways that a developing country can't. So if you really think about it, a vaccine is going to going to be needed in those developing countries more so than the United States. <laughs> So you have this kind of hitting once you think about resources, it's the same reason why we got into this this toilet paper fiasco is because once you start thinking about patriot patriotism versus globalism and, and these things, you start to think about the hoarding of resources on a national scale. And that can lead to some pretty dire consequences when it comes to to the globalism. So globalism actually can can be a, a saving grace here. It could be countries working together to create a vaccine. It could be different nations sharing resources. So I think the globalism and the global distribution of what's going on is what we actually need to look at rather than the patriotism can be a, a, a rather toxic thing in, in the general scope of what we're talking about. Okay, you know, that's fair enough. I, I don't know if the writer here is talking about, I feel like what you're talking about is nationalism more than patriotism, you know, which is which is like USA first and, you know, uh, you know, we can argue the you know, what is the country's government duty? Is it to a global community or is it to its own community first? I mean, uh, were you saying that Trump was trying to buy that as part of the U.S. government? 
Personally. So he wanted to buy, yeah. So essentially he wanted to buy the the company. He, he pitched a billion dollars to take over that company as as kind of a national, just nationalize that company. Okay. And then also to be the primary recipient of the vaccines when it went, if okay. and when a vaccine is created. Well, that, that is interesting because on another day, we're going to look at another prediction that says that the government's going to become big pharma. Like that, that that's a possibility. The government's going to step in and become uh, a, a pharmaceutical giant because of, out of necessity. So that that's something we can look at. I mean, here's the thing. Um, there is one line I really really did not like in in that particularly, which we talks about blowing up other people's countries. Um, it did seem to tip his hand, uh, perhaps to. Uh, will understand patriotism more as cultivating the health and life of your community rather than blowing up someone else's community. I mean, uh, I'm just not crazy about that sentence particularly. I get the point. Uh, here's an argument I want to make, which is I always, I'm in the airport and, you know, when there's the military people go on the plane first and I, there's an element that if I'm actually one of those soldiers and I've been in like Afghanistan, Iraq, I actually don't want I don't want to be thanked. I don't know. I've read a couple of books. Sebastian Younger's written about that in both the book War and Tribe, where the veterans, they don't, it's just, it's it's just kind of hollow. Um, That's the problem with patriotism is I think it can sometimes be hollow. So if I go up to a veteran in the airport and say, thank you for your service, I guess if I was in the veteran's shoes, I'd be like, yeah, okay, you know, um, you weren't there, like, it's not that meaningful to me. I just wonder if the doctors so, and nurses yeah. would have the same. Well, well, that's just me. Off, I, I want to, yeah, yeah, I want Brian away in too. But I, I, I really don't like that part of Sebastian Younger's book, and I really don't like that argument that it's a hollow gesture. First off, you have to look at intention for anything, right? Mm-hmm. So that person is not intending to bring ill will or to be ignorant about the situation or predicament that you were in. They're trying to do a goodwill gesture towards you. And to reject their goodwill gesture just because they might take the time to educate them and say, you know, there's other things. If you want to really be appreciative of what I'm doing, uh, uh, you know, donate to charities like uh, the Wounded Warrior Project um, and things like that. But the the idea of you always have to go in with the best intentions mm-hmm. and to, to think that somebody's being dishonest when they're thanking you for something like that. That's what they've been educated on, on a way to appreciate you. I, listen, Waylon, I agree with you. I don't think they're being dishonest. And <clears throat> You know, because I was a tour guide in New York, when the topic of September 11th would come up, people would do that kind of thing. And I never thought that their intentions were bad, you know, but I also felt like you're not really going to totally understand it either. Now, maybe that's just being greedy about the experience of being through that event and saying, hey, that's really for New Yorkers. That's not for anyone else. Uh, I never thought that they were trying to be manipulative or, or wrong about it. I just, for me... Uh, I think patriotism often feels hot. So if I'm a doctor, I'm kind of like, okay, thanks. You know, I got to go back into the ER now. Wait, uh, Lombardi, what do you think? Well, I think that, you know, we're, we're wired through rhetoric and, and, you know, our history that patriotism is tied to freedom. You, you know, and though we would argue that, that right now the virus is inhibiting our freedom, um, but it doesn't it because it's invisible. I think it's hard for everyone to rally around that this is a loss of freedom and our and our livelihood. And I think for the doctors and the people, teachers and it, and people on the front lines, 
I think people are looking at right now is it's it's life or death and then get back to normal. I'm not sure if they're looking at it. This is a infringement on our values of freedom. I think they can say, yes, I get it. We have to quarantine because of that. But we'll get through this and life will go back. We're not at risk of something coming over here and making us communist or making us socialist. And, and I think somehow the narrative needs to be switched, that, that this actually fundamentally could change the way that we function. Fundamentally, this could change if, if this type of thing, um, we might not have you know, the ability to meet in large groups. I mean, this really could change some things if they really wanted to tackle it. You, you know, but I think it's the narrative that someone has to put out there that says this type of thing is just amount is just that is a, it's similar to attack on our freedoms, just if it was a foreign entity coming at us. Yeah. This this has the ability to change the way you do your basic day to day existence. And we have these people out here, these educators, these doctors, these nurses, they're trying to maintain those freedoms that you are so used to. Mm. That's a but nice uh yeah, it's a nice articulation of it. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to to cut you off, but it's a really nice articulation of it. You know, if you see these people as as really playing a big part of trying to keep freedom uh, alive in the country and and all that. I mean, it's strange because uh, you know, I even just a couple of weeks ago, I talked to my students about authoritarianism. I said, "But what would it you know what would it take for an authoritarianism uh, to to come into the U.S." Uh, and now we're kind of here where there's, you know, and I have to say that if I'm a small business owner, I'm kind of, I might, you know, I'm like, <laughs> like, uh, I, I, you're going to, you're going to sink my business. I've spent like 30 years building this business and now it's going to be gone and, and all that. So, uh, I do yeah, understand. Well, that was, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. That Ron. was the interesting thing when you, well, I mean, that all aside, the idea of, you know, a, a demand or um, directive to close all your build, uh, businesses and things like that. But the thing that struck me when we were talking yesterday was that you said that uh, Rob and your wife went to uh, Lowe's and was uh, was like sh- shooed away because she didn't well, have a specific thing to I got to correct that. I'm get. sorry. Keep going, but I, I was wrong about that. But go ahead. Oh, were you? I was gonna. <laughs> yeah. say, okay, okay. Well, just set the record straight right now, then. Okay. Because well, like, what had I happened? heard that, I was like, "What?" Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, what had happened is that Robin and I, in the midst of a once-in-a-century pandemic, are conspiring to create a sensory table for a four-year-old boy. Okay, like you know, something you can put sand in and water in, because like we're trying to continue his education, and so we've been. You know, as soon as that website Pinterest comes up, I'm in trouble, you know, because like all kinds of cool things are coming into the house that that I'm going to have to at least help build. But that usually works out. Uh, And so she went to Lowe's and I thought she'd been kind of turned away, but she actually got in the parking lot. She's like, I'm not really sure what we need for this. So I'm not going to do this right now. Okay. Sorry. Sorry about that. But there's, there's misinformation for you. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, the well, misinformation is yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But okay, so that aside, another thing, this is a kind of a side note, just going back to patriotism and what we can actually extract from this in a positive sense. One of the things that has been going on on uh, on Facebook and things is the uh, is uh, videos of people in Italy or Spain, uh, in France, they 
open their windows at night and they sing national songs together. Hmm. And it's just like one of those things where it's just like, yeah, that, that makes, that makes sense. You know, like that's, that's something that you're going to get through this. That's something that's going to soothe your anxieties is um, it's not that, that patriotism that's nestled in an antagonistic principle of us versus them. It's um, it's using that patriotism to think about the, uh, the enemy as something that we're all kind of as human beings, it, it doesn't care about your, your, your race or your gender or your, your creed or culture. It's something that's attacking us all. And so you can think about that in, in a camaraderie on the globalistic scale, but you could also think about that on the, on what people know more is that patriotic scale as well. Yeah. I think ideally Waylon, although there is the wealth inequality problem, I mean, <laughs> So much has been going into all the moments before this. You know, we're living in a time of wealth inequality unparalleled in this country. The only parallel is 1929 before the Great Depression. I mean, an economic correction was coming because that's one of your leading indicators of a collapse is wealth inequality of that kind. Um, I thought it was a hoax, but David Geffen's tweet about waiting out the virus on his yacht is real. Like, I don't know if you saw that. He, like, Instagrammed his yacht. And th- there's a level of tone deafness there. So I agree, Waylon, except for the wealth inequality thing. I do think yeah, that's, that. yeah, that's going to present. Yeah. And I, would, and I would agree if you know him, too, because you're hearing all these stories. Uh, it is happening, you know, um, internet around the world of the very elite, the very wealthy that think they have the ability to flee Paris. They're going to their second homes or their third homes or their yachts. And what we're seeing is the pushback from the places that they go where the real people live there who are not at their at that economic level are saying, hey, stay away. Yeah, you're bringing it here. But it's that aloofness. It's that it's that um, the, the kind of feeling they, they, they fly above it all. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's here, too. By the way, a French movie that was made uh, probably about 15, 20 years ago, Year of the Wolf, I think it's called, really – uh, the opening scene is right out of what you just talked about. And it's like a that you never really know what happened in that movie. Like it's it's post-apocalyptical, but the, it's slow. And so like they're bringing groceries into their second home. It's worth watching. It's pre- maybe not be worth watching right now because it's a little scary. But it's a cool movie about like life after a big event and like becoming primal. Now, here's one thing I want to throw out there. Uh, and we've talked about, you know, both Waylon and I are Sebastian Younger fans, and we're going to actually try to get him on the show at some point because I do have a friend who knows him. Um, yeah. But uh, one thing that he says in Tribe, he says that we're actually really designed to be together. Like, that's what we want to do. And he uses all these examples like war and things that we think of as bad, but people miss when they're gone because their connection with their neighbors are so strong you know, during a war, because you really have to be connected. And when the war's over, you know, of course, you, you don't want to be shot at and stuff like that. You don't want to go hungry. But the connection dissipates, you know, or in disasters. Now, this is a different situation. This is this is a, a disaster where our connection is really compromised. And so I would wonder, like, are we going to have, are we even going to have a moment of like communalism? And unless when it's done, like, that's the way I see it. I mean, you know, we're on Zoom together. It's great to see you guys. It's a great conversation. But is there going to be any com- really communal moment during this whole thing, except that when it's over? That's my question. And what does it look like when it's over? Is it going to be, okay, 
May 5th, it's over. Yeah. And then, and then what happens? Like, do we just walk into the streets and start hugging and shaking hands? Is it like, you know, kind of like, you know, V-Day? Are we going to yeah. have, you know? Yeah. You know, I know what you're That's saying. That's what I said. That's okay. what he said. I, I, I said, well, there has to be a day in which the local state governments, federal government say, okay, this is when businesses can open. And I think that there's going to be a sell. We, we were talking about whether or not people are going to be out. I am of the impression that people are going to be out and about celebrating this like we've defeated an enemy in World War II. I think that the people aren't, aren't going to be scared to go out at that point because we've had all these directives. We've listened to the directives. The directives are now saying with the general consensus of scientists and this, that, the other thing, that it's now okay to go, down, go out. I think that more people are going to go out. I think that there's going to be a small part of the population that stays in and, and just mm-hmm. thinks that, that this is like some sort of false, this is some sort of false state. But I think that we're going to have uh, celebrations at that. Well, and it, that's, that's just my yeah. I I, I I hope so. Brian? Well, it's funny that you say that because I'm thinking like on a micro level, I'm thinking of school, you know, and, you know, I'm getting tons of emails from my students. And I'm sure you're hearing it, too, that they, they miss school. Yeah. You know, and, and it's obviously it's it's is it the work or is it the social part that you're talking? That stuff that we talked about earlier, that about education, that interpersonal, that engagement, you know, and I, I so I'm thinking about when school returns, is it this year? Is it next year? I don't know if I could I, I don't know if I can just go into first period. I feel, I feel like there needs to be some acknowledgement of coming back and acknowledging our community, acknowledging this connection, this communal part. Um, I would feel really remiss if I did not bring that up to my community that I'm working in about that. Yeah. I think if we, if we lose that, then I think we haven't fundamentally we've lost something. If we don't, if we don't um, remember that and hold on to that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm with you guys and uh, I'm with you, Waylon. I think that the dearth of communal, uh, experience the dearth of personal experience is going to lead to uh, really evaluating it uh, way more than we have. I mean, this is a disaster of isolation as much as anything, and this is very hard. I mean, I happen to have a wonderful family. We don't fight each other that much, and there's a lot of families who are stuck inside, and it's very tough for them. So, <clears throat> you know, and I know Lombardi, you must know that as an administrator, and I know you know that, Waylon. Uh, but it will be interesting because I think that the communalism will experience, although I get what you're saying about the Italians singing songs. I mean, you know, you know Italy very well, Lombardi. So, they, yeah. you know, asking that country to stop working was not a big, that wasn't a big moment, probably. They were kind of doing that already. <laughs> That's like, what know, I'm saying. That's what I'm so, saying. They got so many holidays or reasons to strike. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They probably didn't notice. They're like, oh, work? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, We're not going to be opening the windows and singing the Star Spangled Banner. That's the problem. We lack enough songs to, like, get us past five minutes. Lombardi? But we're looking, because I I saw something yesterday that you're seeing in random hot spots in our contract, New York City at 7 o'clock every night. It's it's not – I don't think we have some of the – again, we have the – we, we have, like, again, a few things, the Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem. But beyond that, we don't really have this thing that everybody universally knows. So I think we look for things at time, you know, because we're such a young, we're like latency age kids for the world compared to Europe and Asia. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And so, so we're kind of looking for things. So I think we create some of these things. So New York City at seven o'clock every night. Let's let's applaud. You know, our our um, frontline um, health providers. You know, first first time providers. Yeah. I think that's our way of trying to show some community and appreciation. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us on today's show. It's so good to see you, man. I want to I want to yeah, come out awesome. east and like see a Red Sox game with you. You're a baseball guy, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Let's do it, guys. No, well, he I'm not inviting Waylon. He's he doesn't like baseball. Baseball is boring. Baseball is boring. Uh, he sport. you don't get to come. You don't it's get not. to come. <laughs> we go into this all the time. And Lombardi, why why not do baseball? It's social distancing to a T. That sport, like that's the only sport they should be running is baseball. You know, have have an automatic catcher. You know, you can move the catcher back a little. Yeah, six feet. (laughs) No, no umps. No, we'll just do that. The computer. No tag outs. No tag outs. Okay. You can maybe you can maybe throw the ball at them. Every other seat. Every uh, every two seat. Yeah, the dugout will be in the stands. It'll be spread out in the stands. It'll be perfect. Well, Brian, thanks so much, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for being with us, pal. You guys are great. I really appreciate it. And I just got to give – I have to give one plug to you guys and Northampton. You, you really are a gold standard. You know, when, when I was there, and I remember people talking about you – know, my school is in the Middlesex County – is in the Middlesex League with, like, um, Lexington and Redding, kind of, kind of like the big boys, as people like to refer to them. And you know what? Northampton, you know, is up there. Yeah, well, you're you're a big part of that. You're a big part of that. Appreciate that, and you guys are great. Thank you so much, boys. Thank you, thank thank you. you. Awesome. Uh, Good to see him, right? I mean, he's top notch. Yeah. Uh, And part of the school being so good, and I think that is true. I mean, even when we were going through the union problems last year, uh, one thing that really cheered me up was to see that Northampton and Longmeadow were the best schools in the valley. Uh, for high schools, you know, that was really gratifying in what was otherwise a tough time. Um, All right, so we're going to keep going, folks. And I do want to remind you, we're going to do a drawing. I want you to join the Free Associates page, okay? So it's on Facebook. And if you join the Free Associates page, we'll put your name in a hat every day and the winner will get this gold. That's really, I mean, come on. Beautiful logo. Look, it's gold. It's got the Barbarian in the Valley on the back. And it's worth it's worth owning. And we will mail it to you because the post office is still running. By the way, Amazon's faster than it used to be. Like I'll order something on Amazon. Yeah, it'll come. And I'm not talking toilet paper. I'm talking like uh, like really non-essential DJ mixing boards and stuff like that. Like all of a sudden it's (laughs) like, ding, you know, I order it. And it's like five minutes, five minutes later, someone's at the door. And I also saw. There was a guy delivering Amazons in like this souped up little Honda. Like it wasn't even an Amazon truck. Like I think they're just pulling people left and right. Oh, no, no, no. That's a, that, that is a new thing. It's, uh, it's, it's basically like the Uber of Amazon's Uber of people shipping packages. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, cool. Well, yeah. and, and, you know, they're doing really good. The by big the, economy, man. By the way, I had a strange premonition. I had a strange premonition. I don't know what to make of this, but... I th- I'm going to go ahead. We don't do politics on this show very much. I'm just going to go ahead. If there was a Las Vegas line on this, I think I would put I would put uh, 50 bucks right now on Andrew Cuomo being the next president of the United States. Now, the logic being, well, here's the logic is that that either Biden or Sanders 
you know, the health wise would be too much of an issue, you know, going into the, because not only say they even say they we're, weather, wait, wait, yeah, we're go talking ahead. about we're talking about like the 2020. Yeah. Presidency. Yeah. Because think about it. Think about it this way. Waylon, just think too about it this way. Scene. No way. I like him as a, well, I, I uh, think that he has potential on. candidate things, but are you going to, yeah, thank you. Um, first of all, they could, Biden could get sick. I mean, he could easily get sick. The other thing is, I do. get hit by a car. No, I know, but there's also something called the coronavirus, which targets elderly people, okay? So he could get sick. I, I'm sure he's sequestered. The other thing is, wouldn't we want, I do think that the American public, uh, he's already kind of had some failing issues, Biden does, uh, in terms of cognitive stuff. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, like if his health was compromised anymore, and also, you know, in as a result of the virus, I think people are going to want a younger, healthier person in that office. Because, I mean, just think about it. You start thinking about it, it starts making sense. I'm talking 50 bucks on Andrew Cuomo right now, Las Vegas line. You know, I'm not Done. saying, okay, well, make it happen. And I agree. I agree with you about what you're saying in, in, in the the logical sense. You're just, your timeline's off. No, your you're timeline's off. Long. No, your timeline's off because we're in unprecedented waters. Listen, I know politics. I know that, that we're, it would have to be a, a, a convention that's brokered. It would, you know, obviously he's not going to run in a primary. It would be a, the floor decision. That's not impossible for them to get on the floor and be like, you know what, Biden's actually sick right now. We're going to nominate Andrew Cuomo on the second ballot and he's going to go through it. That could, trust me, that could totally happen. Uh, you, you're thinking, I'm not talking about him running in primaries and getting delegates. I'm talking August, virtual convention. Yeah. If Biden is sick, then people nominate him. It could happen. It's 50 I bucks. Go, I would think it goes to the second candidate. Hey, listen, it's an, it's an, you don't know what you're talking about, man, because you teach tech, man. I'm a politics history teacher. <laughs> I'm just right? a simple tech guy. <laughs> yeah, well, you do a good job of it. Are you ready to free associate, my friend? Do you have the music up? Okay. Let's do it. Okay, let's do this. Do, what music are you using? I'm multitasking. You have no idea how much multitasking. Oh, I know you yes. have. I know you have. I know you have. And you've done a great job. What music have you picked for the end here? Uh, same thing. We're, we're going Bowie again. Boom. Bowie? Here we go. What do you mean, Bowie? You, what do we have? Fame or Ice Ice Baby? No, just, just. All right, all right. Three, two, one. Free association. Okay. A cold, uh-huh, chilly Here it goes. Wednesday afternoon, or is it Thursday? Sometimes the things bleed together like ice cubes inside of a water container. You sprout flowers from that container, and soon the spring air will mix with COVID to make a germ-like. Phobia throughout the entire galaxy. Okay, now that's again. You're like the dragon. Here comes, here comes the criticism. Here comes the criticism. It's better than the other one, but you're like the dungeon master. You know, again, you're like leading us through this story. You're not free associating. You're like, you feel the heat of the thing, and you are moving. Yeah. You're the dungeon master. You need to get off that man. You need to loosen up, man. Loosen up. Wait, wait. What about remote control? Oh, I I totally screwed up yesterday. I can own that. I can own that. <laughs> All right, folks, you've been with the Free Associates. We're going to be trying to do this every weekday and rebroadcast on WMUAMers. That's right, we are the Free Associates, and our page is the Free Associates on Facebook. And I need more friends. Norm Cody, Norman Cody, I'm Waylon's saying I need more friends. I, I have great friends, but friend me. He is friend, people. Just be, I'm, good, I'm a good friend. I'm a good friend. I'm a good person to know, you know, good in a street fight. 
All right, folks. Waylon, what's your sign-off? Go ahead and do your sign-off. Be smart, be safe, and don't be stupid. That's his dad's sign-off. Well, stay healthy, stay calm, and stay, stay connected. <laughs>